Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Good morning, Freedom Church! Ooh, y'all got a better one in you than that. Let's try this again. Good morning, Freedom Church! Good morning. I feel greeted this morning. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. Some of y'all had not had as, as many of those chocolate-covered coffee beans as we have back in the green room. I'm kidding. I actually haven't had any this morning myself, but I, I think having less caffeine, if I've got ADHD, I think it has the reverse effect. So I'm still super pumped. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a small cup of coffee and a small cup of tea in, but y'all, I'm jazzed about today's message. I'm so super excited. Let me give you a little backstory on what brings us into what we're talking about today. So we've been going through the six-week series about the purpose-driven life. What on earth am I here for, right? Big implications, big question, big ask, so... A little backstory. So a little while ago, Pastor T came to me and he said, hey, I would love for you to preach the closing sermon for this series, The Purpose Driven Life. What on earth am I here for? I said, great, that's exciting. Um, what's, what's the topic? And he's like, all the other topics. I said, do what now? He said, yeah, I just, I just need a summary of everything we've learned up through this entire study. No big deal. Um, so we have a lot of content. But like, listen, it wasn't just like he threw me to the wolves and he gave me all this content that I needed to preach and speak and, and, and touch on. Listen, he gave me a complete outline. He talked me through it. We went through a whole bunch of stuff. This is a man who deeply, deeply loves the flock that he considers himself honored to serve. With he and Miss Shanda, like, these guys love our church so much. Not just your pastor, he's my pastor. We love our first lady. Can we hear it for Pastor T and Miss Shanda? Absolutely. It is an absolute gift, treasure, joy, exciting pleasure, and highly caffeinated uh, uh, drive for us to be able to serve you guys this morning. We're gonna jump into the word. I don't wanna to take too much time because you guys know when it comes to the word of God, my favorite thing is to get out of its way because it doesn't need me. So I'm just gonna kind of bring this. We're gonna go through every single week. We're gonna close this up. Let us pray real quickly. God, your word is enough. It is always enough, more than enough, forever enough. That is true. That is who you are. May we worship you with our attentiveness to your word. May we worship you with study of your truth. May it embed deeply into our heart of hearts. And may we complete this truth by living it out every day of our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus' name. All God's men and women said, amen. amen. Okay, how many of you guys have been here through the last six weeks of the study? Sweet, y'all know it. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Y'all take... No, wait, no, sorry. Sorry, my bad. We wanted to beat the Baptists to the buffet. So that was the whole idea was, I'm kidding. Buffets aren't even open anymore, are they? Is that a thing anymore? I don't know, praise God. We're gonna jump into this. I wanna get out of the way. So we have six weeks worth of content to cover. I'm not gonna do it to the extent that we've done it. If you've been here for the last six weeks, this is kind of a refresher plus sort of a, a, a jump back in by God's grace. So week one, the very first question, the sermon title was, why am I alive? Okay, big question, right? I mean, for a series called, what on earth am I here for? And the very first thing that we come out is, 
Why am I alive, right? Huge question with lots of implications. If you know anything about me, you know that I will find any excuse to like throw a strike or like take a fighting stance or something because I love MMA and that's kind of my jam and something. So like that's, that's my obligatory, you know, for the sermon. But we're gonna jump into this. So this comes from Colossians chapter one, verse 16. I'm gonna give you guys a second to, to kind of pull up if you have your, the U version on your iPad or your iPhone. So here's the cool thing. I want to I want to tell share I want to let you guys in on something. Here's how I'm growing as a person, right? It's important for all of us to grow, you know, for all of us to kind of expand our horizons a little bit. Well, one of the ways that I'm growing is I'm preaching mostly out of the message translation of the Bible. I have not typically been real intimate with the message translation of the Bible cuz it felt kind of like I don't know. It just wasn't my jam. And I know a lot of people get a lot out of it. Like, I'm more of an ESV study guy. Like, I like the extra sanctified version. Um, it's, I'm kidding. It's the English Standard Version. It's just called ESV. Uh, for, I like it because it's a kind of a literal word for word. You know what the best version of the Bible is, the best translation of the Bible? You know this? The one you read. That's the best translation. NIV, NLT, even King James. Like, whatever version of the Bible you read... As long as you read it, as long as your nose is in the word of God, I think it was Spurgeon that said you can tell the man whose life is not destroyed by the man whose Bible is, you know? Like when we look at the condition of our Bible, it's typically juxtaposed to the condition of our lives. The more time we spend in God's word, the easier the truth of it is to grasp. My sheep know my voice is what he says. How we know his voice is by hearing it often. That's how we familiarize ourselves with our voice. Like, I figure if Siri can get used to our voice, right, if Alexa can get used to our voice, we can get used to God's voice. Amen? Thank you. Praise God. All right. So we're going to jump into this. First question, why am I alive? We covered this in week one. We're going to dig into scripture of Colossians chapter one, verse 16, introduction to everything. For everything Absolutely everything. Y'all say everything. Everything. Ooh, that was good. That was real good. Absolutely everything above and below. Visible and invisible. Rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Why am I alive? Because God. Right? That's what we're getting out of this. Why am I alive? Because God willed it. The same hands that fashioned the peaks of the highest mountain, the same hands that created the beach-shaped oceans and told them where to stop, the same hands that looked at the clouds and pushed them high enough to where we could see them, but not so low that they were in our way, right? These hands that fashioned the heavens and the earth, the author of all creation also authored you. You ever seen a child's uh, a clay where they get some Play-Doh or some clay or something and they mold something? And it might actually look like the thing they're trying to create. But if you look really closely, you will find the divots of their fingerprints all over that little clay thing that they made. It might be a smiley face. might be one of the little dudes from Fortnite. I don't know. It might be something, right? But it has the imprints of their fingerprints all over it. Well, God is the same way, right? We're created in his image and likeness, but we also possess those little thumbprints that are on the rest of creation, that are on the rest of his design, because he pressed into us, he molded us, he created us on purpose. So, first question, big question, huge question, why am I alive? 
The answer, it's, this is like the Christian version of when, how many parents do we have in the room? Right, and, and, and when our kids come to us, it's like, but mom, why do I have to do this? Or dad, why do I have to do this? How many of you guys have ever said, right, we hated hearing this when we were kids, but now we say it now that we're adults, now that we're parents, we say this, because I, oh, just hearing it gives me chills, y'all. I don't like hearing that. My mom is sitting right here, and it still just gives you like the, you know that chill, you know, you know, you know, don't pretend you don't know. Yeah, I get that chill because I said so. And then we're like, oh, I'm never going to say that to my kids. And then to our children at question 4,837 of the day, and we're like, but why? And we're like, because I said so. <laughs> you know, like, have you guys, am I the only one? I can't be the only one here. Thank you. Okay, so because I said so. This is the Christian version of because I said so. Why am I alive? Because God. Because God. And that's enough. When we're kids, we don't get that our parents telling us to do something is enough of a reason to do something because we're small and we're tiny and we're not that bright, right? We're very little. We're, we're, we're cute, right? We're adorable, and we love children. I'm not teasing children, but no one's handing a child a driver's license, right? No one's asking a child to vote, right? We're, we, we don't do that because they're not there yet. We are here on this planet in sin, under the curse, dealing with this world. We're not there yet, but God is he rules from on high, from his heavenly throne. Christ looks down upon us and gives us a reason. And his because I said so is enough. But it doesn't always feel enough, does it? But it is. No matter what we feel, we trust that the reason we are alive is because God said so. He literally said the word and it came to pass. Ooh, that'll preach, but I don't have that much time. So we're going to go to the rest of the weeks. We've got six weeks worth of stuff to cover. We're going to knock it out. I'm super pumped. That was the introduction. We look at week two. Week two, the sermon was titled Planned for God's Pleasure. Y'all say pleasure. Ooh, y'all get, that was even better. Y'all are getting better. Woo, yes. Rick Flair, thank you. Nature boy in the house. Here we go. From Psalm 149, verse four, I don't know. I just say things. Psalm 149, verse 4 says this. And why? Because God delights in his people. Yes or no question. Does God need us? No. No, he does not. We can't let God down because we're not holding him up. Right? God doesn't need us. But what parent needs a child? I heard one pastor say one time to describe children is that children are glorious inconvenience, they said, right? Anyone who's a parent would not argue that children are convenient, right? Praise God, parents, amen, amen? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't care if your kids are here. You can say amen, that's okay. They get it. They have peers. They know they're not convenient, but they're glorious. Being a father is one of the greatest joys I've ever experienced in all of my existence. And some people I helped make 
And some of these people that I call my children, I did not. And I just get to love them. And I look at God who created every single one of us, but still managed to adopt us into this great and glorious promise that was given to us through Christ Jesus. And he looks at us as a loving parent. Some of us were gifted with loving parents. Some of us were not. And the idea of a loving father is very difficult to grasp. But even those of us that didn't have loving parents still get to be loving parents through the opportunity presented to us by God because he himself exemplifies the perfect loving parent. That's God. Because God. But God. You can say all anything and God is the right answer. How many of y'all went to Christian schools? How many people in here went to Christian schools? A few of you. Okay, I feel like you got an unfair advantage. I'm just gonna shoot straight with you. I'm a product of our public school system. Um, praise God. Quick maths. Uh, not common core curriculum, but like I, I was a little bit before that, right? I'm a millennial. So like the, the generation I belong to, public school systems, you know, kind of that, that gives you an idea of the timing. But I always felt like the Christian school system was a little bit unfair because there's like an obligation, right? Jesus is always the answer. Always. And that's true in life. But when you put it in the classroom setting, you're like, well, who died for our sins? Oh, well, well, Jesus, absolutely. Okay, who, who took our sins far away and who lived the perfect life? Oh, of course, that's Jesus. Okay, what's four plus four? Well, it's Jesus. And the teacher's obligated, to, well, you're not wrong, right? Like, it's, it's an it's a easy way to get out. If you're in Christian schools, kids, take advantage of this. Uh, I'm, I'm teasing. Okay, Christian schools are awesome. But, like, you imagine, like, a, a teacher at a Christian school can't tell you you're wrong for saying the answer is Jesus. So if you don't know the actual, like, you know, real scholastic answer, then you just give Jesus. And you're like, just hope for the best. That's like when you, when you used to write, like, something that looked both kind of, like, true and false. Did you guys ever do that? on a test, like it was a true-false question, and you wrote like, false true, right? You're like you'd write something that kind of looks like it could be either, and then when the, when, when the teacher asks you about it, she's like, which one did you mean to write? And you're like, well, which one's right? Like, that's the one teacher. Um, no, I think that's funny. That's a tangent, that's a rabbit hole. Plan for God's pleasure. God doesn't need us. He doesn't, but he delights in us. He takes great pleasure in us as any parent, loving parent would to their child. He delights in us. He doesn't need us. He doesn't require us. He's perfectly fine on his own without us. But the fact that he chooses to take such delight. Scripture says that our worship is like a sweet incense to his nostrils. And it's weird thinking about God's nostrils. But it's also like really cool to think that we could bring him joy with anything. Right? We could bring him joy just, just by being happy, by experiencing joy in him, by fulfilling his law and, and, and his world, or like being a part of this world and not being of this world, right? Pursuing God. But here's the cool thing. When we realize that we were created for God's pleasure, that he delights in us, it gives us the liberty to delight in him. It gives us the freedom to delight in who God is as a loving parent. As I said, not all of us had this honor. Not all of us had a loving parent to watch over us. A lot of us did have one or two loving parents that really poured into us. But no matter what our circumstances that are outside of our control, God has assured us that we have a loving parent that delights in us. When we smile, he smiles. When our hearts are broken, so too is his. He longs for us to experience joy, but he delights in us. That was, that was only week two. We got six weeks. 
And that was only week two. How good is this content, you guys? Like, there's so much. I don't know if you guys, do you guys have this book? You guys have this book? Okay. So there's like QR codes with every single day. And like for every day that we go through this, did you know there's like a little QR code you can like check it out on your phone and then it will send you to a video that's like over an hour long that is good preaching, good sermon, good message, good encouragement. This is like, I don't know what y'all paid for these because we, we had a kind of different system, but it is way more whatever we paid for these. It's value. Like, and the other cool thing, and this is sort of me, like a nerdy thing, is if you guys have this book, like you notice it's not like a workbook where there's areas that you like fill out so you can only do it once, and then after that it's kind of like, well, I can pretend I didn't fill that out, you know, however long ago. No, there's nothing like that. It's just content. You get to go through it. You get to answer questions. You get to grow. If, if you went through this with us, praise God, do it again at some point. If you didn't go through this with us, pick it up at any point and go through it. Y'all, it's solid, growth-filled, awesome content. Week three. Formed by God's family. So we know that we were planned for his pleasure. It is an honor and a joy to worship him with our obedience. But now we looked at how we are formed for God's family. We're going to talk about fellowship. We're going to talk about coming together. And we're going to draw from this in John chapter 15, verse 5. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you in relation intimate and organic... So that is a relation that we have with him that is both intimate and organic. That's important. Remember that. The harvest is sure to be abundant, but separated, you can't produce a thing. Listen, this world will have us convinced. This culture is pushing a narrative that the deepest joy, the highest truth, are the things that the world has to offer. Money, relationships, other things, right? Whatever it is that, that the world wants us to chase, it would have us believe that that's where our source of joy is. But like scripture says here, that's separated from the vine. That might bring us happiness for the short term, temporarily, but it's not joy. It's not everlasting. Oftentimes it's, it's just superficial stuff. But when we are his, when we're connected to his vine, when we're the branches to his vine, you know the cool thing about the branches? They're never far from each other, right? If they're all sprouting from the same vine, these branches, then they're never far from one another. They're always drawing nutrition from the vine and they're bearing good fruit. That's what the scripture says here. That's why Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but a limb attached from or detached from the vine, there's no fruit there. You know what limbs like that are good for? Firewood. Firewood. That's about it. Because they're little limbs. You can't make anything out of them. They're detached. They're just kindling. But think about this. When we are attached to the vine, when we put God at the center of anything, when we make sure that he is at its core, suddenly relationships are more than relationships. They're more than just, oh, well, let's see if we can figure life out today. Oh, well, let's, let's just, let's talk, let's gripe about all the things that aren't good. Let's do, you, you, you have people like that in your life? You been people like that in your life? I've been people like that, right? I'm sorry if I've ever been that person to you. My sincerest apologies, I probably will again. Uh, and so I'm preemptively apologizing, but let me encourage you with this. What happens if, like, Smokey the Bear, right, we leave the forest a little cleaner than we found it? 
right? What happens if, now we are to bear one another's burdens, right? That's a gift, that's a joy, that's a, a calling by God. But imagine if that wasn't just the reason we reach out to other people. We just don't reach out to other people to offload our stuff on our shoulders. Imagine if we reach out to other people just to lift them up, just to encourage them to be the body of Christ. Because here's one of the things about our purpose, guys, is God loves us way too much for everyone's answer to this question to be the same thing. The question, what on earth am I here for? If all of our answers were exactly the same thing, um, to do this one specific thing and follow God and only this one specific thing and nothing else like a brainless automaton, right? That's not how God loves us. God loves us so much that he uniquely destined and designed you for a very specific calling, a very specific purpose that no one else in your row has. Like, look around. Look in front of you. Look behind you. Look beside you. No one around you has the exact same calling as you. That's because God designed you uniquely with a very particular kind of calling on your heart specifically. And he wants to see that fulfilled. But the way in which we fulfill that as a community through fellowship is by doing what God made us to do. Not keeping our calling to ourselves, not keeping to ourselves and isolating away from community, but instead being an integral part of community that only we can be. Someone in your friend's circle, in your tribe, right? That's what we all say. This is my tribe, right? Someone in your circle sincerely needs what you bring to the table. And you need what they bring to the table. And you might be saying, but Pastor Adam, I don't have a circle. Look around. Welcome to your circle. This is it. We love you. We're really glad you're here. Don't leave with no, anyone knowing your name. Don't leave without knowing anyone else's name. We've got these connection groups that we break out in and throughout the week we meet and even on the nights that we don't meet, we're usually part of group chats and connection groups and we lean on each other and we encourage one another and we build one another up and we have community. It's not just here. Guys, if you all are Sunday Christians, you are not getting everything that God has given freedom to give to you. God has been so good to us as a ministry. We have so many avenues to offer you. But if you're just showing up on Sunday mornings and clocking in and clocking out, look, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying there's more. There's more. And that's the truth of our purpose. So many of us have settled for what we have and we're not digging deeper to discover the more that God wants us to have. It doesn't mean more money or more fame or more followers or more likes. Again, the kingdom is not the culture, and the culture is not the kingdom. This is more of what God created us for. You can't drink stagnant water. It'll make you sick. And the people that we're around, are we making them sick or are we helping them become more healthy? Are we helping them become more? Because if we're stagnant water, we're making them sick. If we're staying in one place, we're making them sick. But if we're allowing God to really work through and in us, then we're growing. And as fellowship, we're doing what God called us to do. It's our purpose. And I love you guys too much not to say that. I've been stagnant water. I've hurt people I care about. I'm sorry. But the cool thing is, God lets us grow from that. God lets us be more. Best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. So here we go. 
That was week three. Week four, and this is a big one. This is the turnaround moment. I'm super excited for week four. Week four, created to become like Christ. Woo, where's my Ric Flair at? Where you at? There we go. I dig it. Here we go. Galatians chapter two, verse 24. We gonna talk about discipleship. Here we go. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. Ooh, big implication. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I've been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Good word, Paul. Man, homie's bringing it. But listen, how many of you guys wash your hands before you hop in the shower? It seems silly, doesn't it? Why would we get a little clean before we get fully clean? It doesn't make sense. Then why do we try to do this with God? Why do we try to look at all the things that God has done in our lives and for us and we step in and we go, man, I sure did wonderfully, didn't I? Glad I handled that well. But no, even Paul himself is stepping back and saying, look, I don't, I don't even brag to God about the things I do for him. Because everything that I accomplish, everything that I, we're gonna get a full long message from Paul at the end of this that's gonna bring all this home and I'm super pumped. I know about it, you don't yet, so I'm <laughs> really excited. But we're gonna get there, okay? We're gonna get there, be patient with me. But what Paul is telling us here is that he's not cleaning himself up a little before God cleans him up fully. We can't clean ourselves up fully. How many of us are waiting? How many of us are waiting because we don't think we're there yet. How many of us, God has said, hey, I need you to talk to this person. And you go, well, I'm not ready to talk to that person yet. And God's like, I need you to go to this place. And you're like, I'm not ready to go to this place yet. God's like, I need you to manage this thing. You're like, I'm not ready to do this. God's like, I need you to speak. And then you're like, I'm not ready to, and God's like, I need you, I need you, I need you. And you're like, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. God made you ready. If God is calling you to go someplace, do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I quote that almost every single day because there's never a bad application for it. If we trust God, if we follow where he's sending us, if he sends and we go, it doesn't matter what we're ready for. It's going to get done because it's not up to us. It's not our strength or our experience or our knowledge or our ability that gets things done for the kingdom. It's God and God alone. When we submit ourselves to that truth, we get out of the way of the Holy Spirit and he has freedom to work in us. Amen. I'm trying. <laughs> but God's better than my preaching. God's better than our best efforts. And that is so relieving because I get deathly nervous before I talk to you guys. I'm telling you, like anyone who's been hanging out with me back there knows that I'm like, yeah, okay, that's cool. That's cool. You know, palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms, no. It's like, it's, it's mom's spaghetti, right? But it gets, it gets bad. It gets like, I get super duper nervous, but God is bigger than, any, than, than all of our best efforts. Got any A-types in here? God's bigger than that. 
We don't A-type or more effort or later nights or earlier mornings. Like, we can't Dwayne Johnson our way through the gospel. Like, we can't be the hardest worker in the room, and that means a dang. It's God. He's always the hardest worker in the room. Always. And the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to do things that we can't do. You hear people say, well, God's never going to give you more than you can handle. That's not true. God will never give you more than he's capable of doing through you. But on our own steam, yeah, absolutely. God might be calling us to something that we ain't, we ain't got it. We can't do it. But God can. And he wants to. Otherwise, he wouldn't have called us there. I'm getting pumped. Okay, week five. Shaped for serving God. We're talking about ministry. God, uh, Jesus tells Peter right after his resurrection, he says, if you love me, feed my sheep. Now he says this three times, and it's really important that he says it three times because Peter just got done denying Jesus three times, right? Because Peter was all offended by the idea that, that he was like, what, someone's gonna betray you? Well, surely it's not me, God. I'm, I'm, I'm Peter, right? I'm, 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 I'm the guy, you know? I'm the guy, all right, this is, this is me, we're close, we're like besties. And, and Jesus is like, I mean, yeah, you're a guy, but before the sun rises, you're gonna betray me three times. Very humbling experience. Like this is why we need to get out of the way of the Holy Spirit because when God humbles us, it tends to sting a little, right? So we need to humble ourselves to avoid that sting by God's grace. So, but he says, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. This is, this is what Jesus tells Peter in John 21. And when we look at the world of ministry, if we love God, we need to feed his sheep. If we love God, we need to serve God. And that doesn't mean behind a pulpit. Your ministry might be behind a broom. Praise God. Your ministry might be behind a pencil. Praise God. Your ministry might be in front of a lot of people or no one. Whatever it is, praise God, if that's where God called you to be. But we need to be pursuing our ministry and serving outside of ourselves because God told us to. If I tell you to do something, it might go wrong, full disclosure. I'm just some goofy dude up here uh, with a mic strapped to his face and trying to keep it out of his facial hair, right? That's me. I'm just a dude. But listen, God's not a dude. Yet he still abides, we're my Lebowski fans. Anyway, he still abides, he still loves us, he still serves us, and he asks us to serve, leading by example. He asks us to serve. And if we don't, we're not fulfilling what God has asked of us. And how can we be asking God, forgive me more, and God's going, what have you done with what I gave you? Where are you at? And I've been the guy that's gone, mm, more, I want more, give me more, right? I've been that guy, and God's like, dude, I gave you, I like to think of God saying dude to me, that's okay if you don't, I don't think it's like, say. anyway, so God's like, dude, I already gave you all this, what are you doing with it? Like, are you investing, and mind you, investing is not just money, are you investing your time, your energy? your experiences, are you lifting other people up? This is ministry. It looks different for different people. And the way that you are shaped for God's ministry is, is gonna look different person to person. And I'll, I'll tell this quick anecdote and then I'll jump in 
Um, so we were doing some, some plumbing work at the house, and I was trying to figure out what was going on underneath our little squirter thingy wasn't working, and it was like, pfft, it was like spraying water everywhere. And then, you know, we said, anyway, it's a tight space. It's like two feet by two feet, and we got all this stuff underneath it. Like, you know, we got our garbage disposal and our water purifier, and I was, it's very, very tiny space. And I'm not... I'm a larger framed individual, and I'm over here, and I'm, like, scuffing up my knuckles and, like, bumping my elbow, and I'm, like, I'm stressing the heck out, right? I'm trying to make this, and it's, like, there's tiny little spots, and I've got these, like, nubby fingers. I can't just, it wasn't going great, and thank God, my 12-year-old boy, he walks by, and he's, like, uh, Dad, can I help you? I'm, like, I'm over here, like, weeping, like, trying to make this work out, like, gnashing of teeth is happening underneath, like, I'm trying to make this work, and, and I'm, like, yeah, but if you want to try, sure, I mean, yeah, that's cool, yeah, yeah, go for it. He jumps down there, like, 28 and a half seconds, he's, like, like, I tell him what to do, and he dips, he's, like, gone, he's back, back to playing Fortnite, and, and I'm, like, like, thank you so much for, like, serving and doing this little dude. But, like, he was the right frame for the job. He fit the space. So he was able to do the job. I didn't fit the space. I couldn't do the job. And I ended up getting hurt. If we work in our calling, not the calling that we like of the person that's next to us, when we work in our calling and we serve in ministry that way, we're not going to get hurt in the sense that we're harming ourselves. The fiery darts that we endure at that point are the same ones that Christ did, and we're in good company in that situation. Amen. Amen. Week six, made for a mission. This is all about evangelism. In the same way, this is John chapter 17, verse 18, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. We have a mission set in front of us. It was given by God to Jesus, by Jesus to us, and we've got it. If I give you a mission, like I said, probably gonna go south, not gonna go real great. I played enough video games to know I'm not a great mission planner. But like, when God gives us a mission, it is perfect. It's the calling. It's the thing that we need to do. But we also need to understand that it's from Jesus. This leads perfectly into this long thing that comes from Paul. This is Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. The thing we need to understand about our purpose is that it is precious and worth pursuing. We get this from Paul. I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as a son of the Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. This was a big deal. I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, that was their Bible at the time, no one surpassed me, right? Paul's stepping out as the goat, right? Greatest of all time. He's stepping forward. He's carrying the title with pride. I was without a peer. No one was on the same playing field. He was on a different level, not the same, made differently. Whatever modern slang thing you want to throw in there. That was Paul. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the messianic believers with religious zeal. Those are the Christians, right? He persecuted, imprisoned, hunted them down. That's what Paul did. He persecuted the messianic believers with religious zeal. Yet, all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them and regarded all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all of my boasting on the garbage heap. 
It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as the Lord in all of this greatness. My passion is to be consumed with him. My passion, my passion, he says, my passion is to be consumed with him and not cling to my own righteousness based on keeping the written law. My only righteousness will be his. Based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. The pursuit of our passion is precious because our passion, or because our purpose is precious. We pursue our purpose because it is precious. I wanna tell you guys a real quick story. A few weeks ago, my wife and I went to go see Garth Brooks at Nissan Stadium. You guys remember this concert? Took place, really big deal, right? I mean, you could see like Garth, little G, you know, like that's, that's kind of his jam. I mean, like we were into it. This is good, we showed up in boots. You know what I'm saying? Like we were, we were ready. Uh, unfortunately, if you guys know what happened, the thunder rolled, right? And the, the lightning struck. Some of you guys understand, if you know Garth, this is comedy gold. If you don't, we'll get there. Um, so we went to this concert, it got rained out, huge bummer. I mean, like, we were invested in this thing. Like, we were there for, like, six hours. We were hoping, okay, Trisha, thank you. But we're, you know, because I got, for, you know, like, we were, we were ready for it. We wanted to be a part of it. We, we, were, we were excited. Six hours went by, nothing happened. We had to go home. Well, the reason the thunder was rolling and the lightning was striking and the rain was a falling. I mean, like, I don't mean, like, you know, a little bit. It was pouring down. And you know who parks near Nissan Stadium? No one. No one parks near Nissan Stadium. So we had to leave the stadium, get to our car. It was like, you know, about six football fields away. Uh, we finally got to our car. Again, pouring down. We're soaked to the bone. It, um, it was a sight to behold. Something kind of interesting, though. By the time we got back to the car, it was a little bit later in the evening. Everyone else had already gone. It was a wide-open parking lot. Not a soul in it. Just our car. So me and Valerie walked up to the car and I kind of looked around and storm was coming down. The rain was real pretty. It was comfortable rain, not like a, you know, it was like, uh, you know, it was, a com it was a more comfortable rain that was coming down. And so I kind of leaned over. I was like, baby, can you humor me for just a second? She was very honoring, very humble. Yes, absolutely. What do you need? I was like, can you just stand here for like 20 seconds? In the rain, but mind you, we're already soaked, right, to the bone. We could have jumped in a shower and hopped out, and it would have looked the same, right? It's soaked. So I run over to the car real quick. I throw in Garth's live album, right, his live album, and I turn my car as loud as it can possibly go with the stereo system. I close the door so you can hear it outside, and I put on If Tomorrow Never Comes, right? If Tomorrow Never, you know, like, like, it was, oh, it was real pretty. And we danced in the rain to Garth Brooks while we were at this, like, rain's falling and like just no one's around, surreal for downtown Nashville. But here's the thing. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was like it was out of a movie. It was also like less, less than perfect sometimes because, you know, you'd be like, you'd look up and you're like, this is beautiful, but then like water's going up your nose. Or, or you'd be like, this is a real romantic moment, so you like put your head on her shoulder and it's like a flood in your ear hole. And so you're like, you, just, you, just, you, you know, you're trying to deal with the circumstances as best you can. Not exactly like, but, but again, it was amazing. Let, let me tell you something. We didn't go to this concert to see Garth. We went to this concert to share a once-in-a-lifetime experience as husband and wife that would draw us closer together that we would enjoy. By the end of this night, we didn't get to see Garth. 
but we got to share a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that brought us closer together as husband and wife. When we pursue our purpose, guys, when we are passionate about our purpose, because it's precious, the circumstances might not look how we planned. It might not look like what we thought it was gonna look like. It may not be surrounded by the things we thought it was gonna be surrounded by. But you know what? We'll walk away having accomplished what God sent us there to do. We will walk away from a circumstance having accomplished our purpose, even, and oftentimes especially, when it doesn't look like how we planned. How many of you guys know from personal experience, as I do, that serving God rarely works out the way you plan it. Yeah? Every once in a while, because God is good and he loves us, but most of the time I would say that serving God, finding our purpose and pursuing it because it's precious, rarely looks like how we plan it. My encouragement to you guys tonight is, is kind of twofold, right? There's an encouragement for the Christian that says, we want you to be fulfilled by the purpose with which God created you. We want that purpose to ring through you, inside of you, for the whole world to see, because that's why God made you. And some of you might be here today and been like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of followed along with the purpose-driven life, and I kind of experienced it, and, but you know, I'm still uncertain about my purpose, and I'm certain, no, 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 no. I understand all of that. Would you, with the rest of us today, be willing to say, look, no matter where my purpose is taking me, I'm gonna take those steps and I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna put one foot in front of the other, even if I don't know where it leads, even if I don't know what's next, even if I can't see or prepare or plan for it the way I like to see and plan and prepare for things, even if that's not on the menu for me, I'm still going to pursue God. I'm going to pursue my purpose because it is precious. Christians, I want us to commit to that today because this isn't about serving a person. This is about serving your God. This is about fulfilling the very reason we were created and receiving that fulfillment in light, receiving the joy and the faith and the hope and the relationship with our creator, all of the things that are included with fulfilling our purpose because that's all a really big, really important part of it. Because I've never experienced so much joy in all of my life as when I fulfill the will of God and the purpose with which I was created. It's real. It's real. Now let me speak to the non-believers here today. Scripture says to taste and see that the Lord is good. If you haven't tasted and seen, it's impossible to know. It's impossible to really fully understand what this relationship with God is like as a creator. And it is so easy to fake it. It's so easy to look the part and act the part and not be what God created you to be. It's easy because this is a place of vulnerability. This is a place of trust. I love what Kirsten said in the very beginning, how she invited us to be vulnerable during that kingdom prayer moment. 
what Christ promises us because what the world teaches us is you've got to be careful with who you're vulnerable around because they might take advantage of it and hurt you. So we put up walls and we defend and we hide and we isolate. And I get it. I get it. I've been hurt. I've also hurt. But God, but God, but God loves you, wants you, longs for you. And I encourage you to taste and see that the Lord is good. There's no judgment here. There's no judgment here. We are all sinners saved by the grace of God and we encourage you to come amongst our ranks and to yourself be redeemed by God's love because he wants to. He created you for that purpose and you can't experience that joy, that fulfillment without him. So we're gonna do a come forward this morning. Good old fashioned altar call. We're gonna open things up up here. We're gonna ask our prayer warriors to come forward and be willing to pray with people. We're gonna close our eyes, we're gonna bow our heads, and we're gonna say this prayer. And if you're a non-believer, if you don't know who Jesus is, if you don't call him savior, if you don't believe that, then we're gonna start with that prayer. And then we're gonna pray something that's inclusive for everyone. Father, I am a sinner. And I can't fix myself alone. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your redemption. I need your healing. I need everything because I cannot do it for myself. So Father, forgive me of my sins. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Help me to call heaven my home and help me to be a disciple of your word to encourage those around me. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. And I would now invite everyone who calls on the name of the Lord to join us in this prayer. Father, you are so good. You give us purpose. You give us a calling. And you don't have to. You don't have to but you love us as a loving parent. You care for us and you give us a specific destiny. Help us to see it for what it is, is precious. Help us to pursue you. Help us to do everything in our power to focus our sights on kingdom work, on serving you, on becoming the person you created us to be. And help us to know and remember that though our efforts may be pure, it is not because of our efforts that we grow. It is not because of our efforts that we become anything good. It is because of your Holy Spirit working through us. The pressure is off of us to be perfect and it is picked up and held perfectly by your Holy Spirit who empowers us to be more than who we can be on our own steam. Direct our drive, heal our hurts, correct our brokenness, and help us to give everything 
to you. We love you. We thank you. It is in Christ Jesus' name all God's men and women said, amen. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today online. We know that you weren't able to join us in the auditorium, but that's totally fine because you've made this a priority in your life to make sure that you are receiving God's word. If you received Christ for the first time today, that's absolutely awesome, but we want to know about it. So if you can, if you're on Facebook, in the description there's a link. Go ahead and hit that and fill it out uh, on our connection card that you received Christ. If you're on our website, if you're on an app, hit the menu at the top and you can do the same thing from there. So if you're already on the connection card, you probably are noticing some other next steps that might be interesting to you. If you are interested in any one of those, just check those. And when you submit that, it'll inform us and we can be in contact with you to answer any questions that you may have about those next steps. So this is the time of our service where we're going to jump into our giving. At Freedom Church, we believe that you can't outgive God. This is just another act of worship where we trust God with what he has blessed us with. If you're on Facebook, again, in the description, there's a link there. You can give securely, safely on the website and the app. Also in that menu, you can see a place to do that as well. But just because we're in the, the time of technology doesn't mean you can't do it the old-fashioned way. There is an address at the bottom of the screen that you can send it to, and it'll, come, it'll show up safe as well. Or just drop it by the office anytime Monday through Thursday between 8 and 5, and we will receive it. Other than that, you have a great day.